Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, November 4th. I can't believe I'm saying it, but the 2019 season almost in the books on the WTA side this past weekend. We got to see the WTA finals play out. Number one seed Ashley Barty taking home the title there, solidifying her spot as the year-end number one, putting the bow on what was an incredible 2019 season from her. There's some other great action there over the weekend as well. On the ATP side, Novak Djokovic, after struggling for most of the hard court season, not winning the U.S. Open. He doesn't win Cincinnati. He doesn't win in Toronto. He doesn't win in Beijing. And then he goes to Paris and he brings home a title, reminds us all why he is going to be the player to beat come 2020. So there's a little action to break down. It's just going to be me today, much like we did last week. And I think as we'll be doing moving forward, uh, we'll keep these Monday episodes light. But then tomorrow, Matt Stokowiak and I are going to talk about all of the action from the past weekend. We'll set the scene for next week or this upcoming week's events, which, as we know, the next gen finals really taking center stage in Milan. That's always such a fun event. Uh, it eight of the top 18 or 21 and under players on the ATP side coming together for a nice little, you know, a young player ATP finals. Obviously, that's the goal of this next-gen campaign. So I'll talk a little bit about that today. Again, I want to just briefly touch on the WTA finals in Paris, but we'll save most of that for Matt tomorrow. And then Matt and I will talk college contender series this week. We're talking Mississippi State, Chris Hallioris, College Tennis Ranks going to be coming on as well to help us break their uh, down their season number nine at the end of last year's polls. But obviously they lost a ton of players, so it's going to be a completely new Mississippi State team dynamic this season. And I believe Chris and I are going to have the chance to talk to co- head coach Matt Roberts of the Mississippi State men's tennis team to get his perspective on how they're, you know, playing to rebuild this season, how that culture, when you lose as many seniors as they did, how you maintain that through a transition period and maintain a level of success. You don't allow the program to fall off. So be on the lookout for that. But as I mentioned, I do want to talk a little bit of tennis. So let's start with the WTA finals. As I mentioned in Shenzhen this past weekend, going setting the scene, the semifinal groups, we had Ashley Barty taking on the number two seed Carolina Pliskova. We had number seven seed Belinda Bencic taking on number six seed Alina Svitolina. I'll get more into the nitty gritty as I mentioned with Matt, and I swear that's the last time I'll say that. But Ashley Barty, a four six six two six three winner, incredibly physical match, great win for her there, and she ended up taking on Alina Svitolina, the defending champ here, who made the finals now for the second year in a row. She survived Belinda Bencic, who physically, I mean, all of these players, How we talked about it last week, how slow these courts were, how physically demanding these matches were, because these are the eight best players in the world. Svitolina getting her first three-set experience, surviving Belinda Bencic, 5-7-6-3-4-1 retirement to set up a really fun final. There's no doubt all week long, Alina Svitolina was the best player. And there's no doubt all year long, Ashley Barty was the best uh, WTA player in the world. She put together the most complete season. And so it was really fun, you know, to see the best player in the moment versus the best player of the year play head to head. And for Ashley Barty, 
I mean, she was fantastic. She won 6-4, 6-3. She got better as this week got on. She got more acclimated to the surface. Her physicality shined through. Uh, that's what she was able to do so well is move from side to side, do all of the different things you have to do when you're playing on a slow hard court and just work the point. Be patient. Wait for your ball to come in because if you don't, you're going to give Svitolina, who obviously was moving well, playing well all week long, uh, time to attack and she didn't have any time. Ashley Barty, six four six three winner. You look at Ash Barty's season now. She's going to end the year 56-12. and 12. She got three titles this year. Obviously, all high quality being the year-end finals, that first Grand Slam in the French Open, and then that premier mandatory title in Miami. I mean, 56-12, and 11.3 million dollars in prize money. She ends the year world number one. She's 23 years old. The best tennis is likely still ahead of her, and you just saw why she seems to be so successful is that all of her skills, all her physicality, the things she does well, they apply on all surfaces. You On grass, you need to move forward. Ashley Barty can do that on a hard court and on a clay court. You need to be you know, physically sound. You need to be willing to track down that extra ball. You need to be able to track down that extra ball. And you need to have weapons that work in your favor. And she has all of those things at her disposal. So such a well-rounded game. Obviously, her backhand preferring to hit the slice. She can hit through the two-hander, but she likes to play with variety there. It's a, it's a very... Um, uncommon characteristic on the WTA is the variety, the different spins, the different speeds she can play with. So it's a really fun contrast to the Osakas of the world. I mean, Andrescu plays different styles. It plays in a different sort of variety than Ashley Barty. Uh, Andrescu likes to you know elevate her balls. She likes to hit deep spin. She'll hit drop shots. It's a different sort of variety, but it's an excellent contrast. And between Ashley Barty, Osaka, Benchich, um, Andrescu, Kenin, uh, Sabalenka. I mean, you can go on Coco Gauff, Amanda Nisimova. You can go on and on and on and on. The WTA looks so well-equipped to head into the 2020s. There are so many young, talented players, and I think this season epitomized that. I think the 2019 season on the WTA side was incredibly fun. I mean, through the first three slams, we had 12 different slam semifinalists. How often does that happen? That Ashley Barty emerged as a champ. Naomi Osaka emerged as a—I mean, she defended her title, but again, another championship for her. Bianca Andrescu emerged as a champion. Simona Halep's run at Wimbledon, magical how well she played down the home stretch. So just such a fun season. There's so many, you know, different names, different players, different storylines, just— between generational shifts, but then you have Serena, of course, making you know finals at a Grand Slam still. It was such a pleasant way to end the decade. It leaves such a good taste in your mouth as a tennis fan moving forward into the 2020s. And, you know, structurally, there are still things that WTA has to address. People, you know, Ashley Barty wins around four and a half million for this, but is it just the top players getting played? Do the players ranked, you know, 204. It's the same issues that address both tours. There are things to look at in heading into the 2020s, but the quality of tennis is not something we're going to have to worry about because there's so many good players, so well equipped. We saw 19 different slam champions in the 2010s. If that happened in the 2020s, it'll be because 19 players were so very good that when they played their best, you know, they were able to emerge as a slam champion so really excited for what the WTA has in hold for us come 2020 but with that in mind uh, oh I should say for Svitolina she ends the year at number six not her career high number three but still the top 10 at the end of the year Ashley Barty one Pliskova two Naomi Osaka three Halep four Andrescu five Svitolina six Kvitova seven Benchich eight Burton's nine Serena William ten 
uh, just you know Sabalenka 11 you look for the top ranked American Serena 10 Madison Keys 13 Sofia Kennan 14 Allison Risk 18 I didn't mention Marketa Vandrusova who of course made the finals at uh, the French Open she's only 20 years old well and she's sitting at number 16 Yastremska 19 years old she's 22 Mukova 23 years old 21 Donna Vekic 23 years old 19 Like I mentioned, there are a lot of good players sitting in the queue just waiting to have their moment to shine on the WTA Tour, and I think as fans, we'll be the beneficiaries of that moving forward. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. With that in mind, Let's quickly talk about the event in Paris. Uh, again, um, this being our last Masters final of the year, a Masters event, not final of the year, but there were year-end implications in terms of who was going to qualify for the World Tour Finals. Guy Monfils had a win-in-your-in scenario in the quarterfinal round against Denis Shapovalov. And, I mean, Denis Shapovalov was the, story, the non-Djokovic story of the week, right? Yeah, he got a walkover in the semis over Nadal, but... The way he beat down, uh, you know, uh, Fognini in three sets, beats Zverev in three sets, beats Monfils in straights, loses to Djokovic three and four in the final, but just the way he carried himself all week long, played so confidently, played so big on the indoor surface, went after his shots, capitalized on his opportunities. He was fantastic, and he deserved to make the first Masters final of his career. He becomes the first guy, I think, born nineteen nine or late nineteen ninety nine or later, to make a Masters one thousand final. That's always a good omen when you're in that sort of group. And for Denis Shapovalov, given how poorly he played through the first two thirds of the season, that he's going to end the year at number fifteen, a career high, or right around there. It's a testament to how well he's played this past six weeks. Whatever he's doing with Mikhail Usni seems to be working. The confidence is there. A big stat we saw, he's hitting through the ball, and he's or he's slicing the return more, I think, instead of always trying to hit through the backhand return. And when you have a one-handed backhand return, having that variety is such a critical part of being able to have success. And you saw all the physical tools on display, the speed, the power, the fact that he can just produce these magnificent shots on the run. The creativity is there as well. I mean, he's not afraid of the big moment. He took it to Alex Zverev in that round of 16 match. And even though Zverev won a set, it really, he stole it. It wasn't that he earned it. It wasn't that he was playing. His, I mean, he earned it, of course, but he wasn't playing particularly well. Chapeau just kind of fell off of it. But I mean, Dennis is playing some really good tennis. And yeah, he's going, he pulled in Dennis. Good tennis. Huh? Great shot. Um, but this idea that I think he pulled out of the next gen finals. He's number 15 in the world. He earned the right to do that. He played so well down the home stretch. There's no need for him to go to the next gen Milan to play any more additional matches as much as we would love to see it because he played so well uh, as of late and down this home stretch. And he has so many reasons to be confident heading into 2020. And hopefully, like all of these players, he can use this past uh, these past couple of months as a building block moving forward. I think, <coughs> excuse me, that is what we are hoping for from Denis Shapovalov, and I'll, we'll talk about Djokovic, we'll talk about some of the other takeaways from the event, but, and we should say, with his win over Monfils, the ATP finals field set, it's going to be Federer, Nadal, uh, assuming Nadal isn't injured, and I know he's getting an MRI on his abdomen, that's one of the storylines we'll be following throughout the week, I'm sure I'll have an update for you guys tomorrow on that, but 
Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Team, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Berrettini. That's a really fun year on finals. And those feel like the eight guys who should be there. Those are probably the best eight players from, I mean, the points obviously dictate that, but that feels right. It's not like there's a one guy went on a random streak and he built a bunch of points by going to one Grand Slam final. And that's, you know, because everyone else sucked. That's how he got in. No, it feels like all of these players were that good throughout the 52-week season, and they deserve to be there. And so it should be a really fun event. But the other fun event, I just want to set the field for you guys real quickly, and then we'll wrap up, are the Next Gen Finals in Milan, which is taking place this week. Now, this is an event we will talk about throughout the week, I am sure, and play starts on Tuesday tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern time. So be on the lookout for that, listeners. You should have tennis all day long. But with Shapovalov uh, pulling out the final field, Kasper Rudd, Miumir Kasminovich, Alex Dimenauer, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, which honestly, good replacement for Shapo. If I want anyone, I want the young Spaniard who broke the top 100 at the end of the year by playing so well at the Challengers. So, Rude, Kasminovich, Dimenauer, Davidovich Fokina, Tiafo, Sinner, Umbert, Yimmer. That's a really fun I mean, oh, this is why tennis can go as long as it can because it keeps enticing my attention with matchups like this now of course we saw hopefully we don't see nearly as many withdraws it's a funkier format it's a little bit more you know relaxed it's a little quicker but it's, it's going to be a fun event I'm so looking forward to it and I'm so looking forward to discussing it with Jamie with Matt with Rothman with our usual crew throughout the week and if you have missed any of the action from this week you need to catch up because there has been a ton of tennis down this home stretch be sure to check out our website crackedrackets.com you know the podcast by now this podcast the Great Shot podcast where just yesterday I recorded another best of the decade uh, series episode discussing the lost gen generation Grigor as our guest Andrew Burton of Tennis with an accent of changeover tennis of Peter Bodo's tennis world back in the day uh, likes to call them how uh, we talked about them and why you know maybe they would have benefited from the next gen finals back in the day why they weren't able to break through and you know what did the comparisons look like for this upcoming generation how do they stack compared to the previous ones how did generation Grigor stack to the previous generations obviously we had the Nadal Murray Djokovic cohort we obviously also had Federer Hewitt Roddick Safin before that so Interesting that no huge champion emerged from Generation Grigor. Obviously, that's a huge you know, story of the 2010s. That's why we were so excited. But for more on that, go check out the Great Shot Podcast. Correct interview-wise this week. As I mentioned, we're talking Mississippi State on yesterday, on yesterday, on tomorrow's mini break. We're also going to be talking with the Mississippi State head coach. And, you know, you want to hear his thoughts, right? You want to know how a team's looking. No better person to ask than the head coach of that team. So be on the lookout for that. Like, rate, subscribe, review, leave a five-star rating, leave some comments in there. You're like, Alex, Get a guest on Mondays. I can't handle you solo anymore. I get it. That's a thing. So uh, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, huge shout out to the super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f***ing editing job to do and continue to kill it week in, week out for you listeners. But with that in mind, oh, I should also say social media. You know the deal. More instant updates, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. That was for you, Dalton. Um, But with that in mind. For our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Weissoff, and from our entire team at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin, and you know what we say, that's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>